So today's conversation about Tesla's future is going to be very exciting. My guest today will not only do a deep dive into robo-taxi, but also robo-trucks, robo-factories, and robo-everything. We will explore many benefits that haven't been discussed yet about Tesla's licensing of full self-driving to other major auto manufacturers. Might Tesla even consider offering autonomy to regular gas cars, not just electric vehicles, and perhaps even used cars? And the main topic I'm most excited to learn more about is projecting Tesla's revenue based on a battery model and what's the likely Tesla stock price by 2030 based on that approach. Brian Wang is a futurist thought leader and a popular science blogger with 1 million readers per month. His blog, nextbigfuture.com, is ranked number one science news blog. It covers many disruptive technologies and trends. Known for identifying cutting-edge technologies, he helps tech companies gain funding. So why should we listen to him? Well, he happens to be a top 1% predictor at Metaculus, an online forecasting platform on topics of global importance. Thank you, Brian. Welcome and thank you for joining me. Great to finally be here, Herbert. Awesome. I've been following you quite closely. You've been making some incredible long threads on Twitter that I've been following. And the one that I was most interested in, there's a few things that you make claims about that are very interesting, of course. We're going to talk about licensing of the FSD from Tesla to other auto manufacturers. You have some great ideas there. And we're also going to talk about how you see RoboTaxi being rolled out. So why don't we start with that topic first? Tell me about um, just in general, what was your reaction when you heard about Tesla saying that they're, that they're now in early discussions with a major auto manufacturer for licensing FSD? Well, this is um, very exciting because I think it will increase the flywheel. So they have a data flywheel, and then they also will have, um, um, you know, helping get them to, to learn and also to, to make more money sooner. It also opens up other markets like insurance, because if I get the data um, for Ford cars, for GM cars, then they will have a data advantage when they offer their insurance. So that could get that to scale where currently they only offer insurance on their own cars. Um, the other thing would be that because they recently had Ashok, their um, um, AI uh, lead, give a technical talk where he said that they could take YouTube videos uh, to, to do driver training, that means that the camera position uh, issue is not a limiting factor on them applying it, to, which I think also ties into licensing. I can, right. uh, a, a new arm maker like Ford can put the cameras where they want and it will still work. So I think the technical side enabled the uh, licensing side. And I think besides insurance, the a big aspect will be when they can get um, robo-trucking. I think robo-trucking sort of was superior to, to robo-taxi in that there's more um, financial benefits to replacing the truck driver than it is to replacing the person. Plus, me as a person, you know, I could drive a Porsche, I could spend more money, I don't have to get the last saving. Yes, it's nice to go you know, from 70 cents a mile down to 25 cents, but for some people that's $5,000. And said, I enjoy my driving experience. It's not necessary. On the fleet owner truck side, I save 20, 30%, 40%, 50%. I must do it. Um, so then, and the other big thing besides a huge impact for Tesla would be the supply chain is moving stuff around mostly by truck. We could reduce the supply chain cost from 10% for goods down to 5%, 4%. And that would um, be like a, a massive global tax cut. Okay. Let's um, let's drive deep into each of those topics because they're very interesting. So the first thing that I wanted to set this up is Tasha Keeney, who I just did an interview with. She's an, an analyst with ARK Invest. And so right after Elon and the Tesla team announced that they're in discussions with a major automaker, she tweeted this out about licensing FSD. This is not surprising in the wake of failed efforts like Argo AI at Ford. Autonomy is hard. It requires vast amounts of data, and I believe many automakers will fail to achieve it on their own. Elon said this is a big deal. 
So, you know, you and I know that it is a big deal. I'd love you to explain to me a little bit more about um, the, the exact steps of how this would roll out. What are the benefits? Um, so you shared this photo first. So this is, what is this? The, 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 the hardware, hardware three? The com Go ahead. Yeah, hardware three computer chips. Um, so that's probably um, a th at least $1,000, maybe $2,000. And then there's cameras. So uh, Tesla's chosen to include this hardware in all their cars. So any licensee will need to um, either put that hardware into whichever brand of uh, car that they're deciding to roll out with, uh, or they have there has to be some kind of um, retrofit of an existing vehicle. Um, so there could be delays on the FSD licensing because um, unlike Tesla, which can make a thousand changes a week on the production line, a Ford or GM may have delays. So it's a question of which model is in the right point to add in new hardware like FSD to it. So probably a new model launch, okay, get, we change the design six months in, and then we have that set up. Wait, um, so that's confusing to me because at first you, I thought you were the one that was saying that you can retrofit an old car and it doesn't even have to be an EV. So you're saying that Ford would need to have a new model before they release it to be able to install this hardware three or hard, hardware four chip plus also the cameras? So so the, the difference there is that um, whether the um, manufacturer is ready versus whether Tesla is ready uh, to software hardware-wise to use it. Tesla would be ready to say, okay, you have a new car, we put on the cameras, a week of training, we, we get it adjusted, it can handle the, the software and hardware. So I could retrofit, say, an existing um, Freightliner truck with it and then they could start, okay, now we, we handle Freightliner trucks. But um, if I'm manufacturing a production line with 200,000 vehicles per year and I'm Ford, they have the model year thing. So when can they get it in? I'm concerned that um, there could be some delay on the manufacturing in a production line thing. So yes, I can put the cameras on if you're ready to go for Tesla within days, weeks, whatever. But um, for the mass production, there's a difference on the, on the licensee side. So, okay. uh, so I, I, there, there could be some delays there. Um, yeah, okay. that makes sense. So what about the, like, what's the likelihood that they would actually, uh, that the o o automotive OEMs for electric vehicles, let's stick there, that they will actually partner with Tesla. So we know that one has already in early discussions. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion about this? I think that uh, that they will have to do it. That um, currently, most many people, Gary Black, others may think, okay, we're still years away from something. But then you look at the the um, Chuck Cook and and the other stuff, and those people, Homars, have been testing it. They're thinking, you know, next year. Some of them think there's a chance that Elon's right that it's the end of this year to be as safe as human. So, um, so I think that we are not that far away when I track it that closely. Um, there is the legislative side, so getting safe as human, and then legislation could be an issue. So, the um, timing that I see is they roll it off beta, and it's a they're willing to take liability for it, uh, but they still want you to, to be driving the vehicle, even though it's as safe as human. But because it's as safe as human, that means it's better than half the drivers. Because as safe as the average human means that it's inferior to the better humans, but better than the, than the inferior humans, which would be people who have higher insurance, right? Also, it's um, the comfort feel of it. So in this phase between, um, really help you a lot, make it better. And I replace you entirely. There is um, a range of things happening where I feel more comfortable with it. I feel, and I'm actually safer with it. So if I feel more comfortable, it's the wife or the husband who's the passenger saying, ah, I don't feel comfortable with this thing on versus, oh no, this feels comfortable. It feels, it feels okay. Especially compared to you driving and you suck. So then they could, people could start turning it off. So that goes to the 
one month, two month free trial, where they say, okay, everyone, 80%, 90% of the people who did not buy it here have a try, try for two months, see what you think. And then you get take rates happening as that happens. And then the insurance wise, they say, okay, you pay your terrible driver, you pay 500 bucks a month or, or, or whatever or more on, on insurance, bundle this in. We see that you turned it on. I will in the bundle, you know, cut you a break, hundred bucks a month, something like that. So, so, so that'd be kind of roll up. And then also going into the other vehicles, into like the trucks where you retrofit vehicles for it, for fleet owners, because it's um, 30 million semi trucks globally, about 4 million in the United States. So those turning over that fleet as fast as you can make semis could take 20 years. So replacing those things for that benefit of replacing the drivers, make it safer for drivers. And there's financial benefits, which could say, oh, that's worth $20,000. That's worth $40,000. Yeah. So do you think that uh, Elon and Tesla would actually be, uh, would approve this? So let's say that, you know, you're Elon and you, you got, you're talking to Ford and Ford says, yep, I want to, you know, license your FSD beta. Great. And I'm going to put it in my electric vehicles, but I'll only do it if you let me put it into my ice cars as well. Right. And would Elon say yes? Because wouldn't that delay the transition? I don't think it would delay the transition because they're um, uh, supply constrained on it. So they're building as fast as they can anyway. And the um, the benefit of doing that is that the more, so one, they sell them and sell it profitably. So when they sell it to Ford, you know, if they were to get, need to get $5,000 or $10,000 of profit, they'll build that in and say, okay, we still make five, ten, ten thousand dollars of profit on this thing, whatever the number is, right? So that okay, every vehicle, let's say a half million Ford vehicles, that profit from selling FSD is just like if we sold FSD, Tesla sold FSD. So the profit is equal or better, right? And then they now have increased their um, data flywheel. I go from 500,000 Tesla FSD subscribers mm. to a million combined with Ford. So, mm -hmm. and, and Elon knows that this is the biggest thing, getting there faster, more data there is better. So if he can go to 2 million, 4 million vehicles, 10 million vehicles faster, that means he gets to the end goal of complete automation uh, faster. Okay. Yeah. Safety versus Safe. the climate. <laughs> right. But you can't. Well, they both happen. Yeah. It's just a question. One happens first. And, and the fact that he'll have um, robotaxi level FSD means that he will be able to apply it to all of the EV fleet and create a test of EV fleet. And then the passenger miles convert faster. If he can get to robotaxi, he 5X of the passenger miles. So the fact that mm -hmm. he's using this thing to help them hobble along, and then he gets to his nirvana state faster he still wins okay still, okay i think win. i can buy that okay so what's one of the things you were saying then is that you think that he's going to license it not only to the ice cars but that you can retrofit and you're saying that the first thing that makes most sense is the the robo trucks right. can you, i know you mentioned it earlier already but just uh, dive or dive a little more deeper on this so um uh trucks are mainly driving on highway so that is um, easier use case. The other thing is that um, they have things called platooning and they've been tests in Europe and other things where they've gone across states and countries where platooning is, I have a lead truck, I have a great human driver in front, and then I'm followed by eight, 10, however many other trucks, which could be the, um, a robo truck. So then it's looking and staying behind the tailgate following it, but it's smarter than just having a physical hitch because someone needs to, to get an exit they'll okay I'll, I'll see that car and i'll extend the gap let them through and do stuff so it's and also by falling close behind most of the time i'll save energy fuel by about 30 percent because of air drag so the trucking part can be far easier if you have um, a really solid driving system for highway and other stuff um, and a truck costs one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for an ice truck um, a semi might be two, it's 250. The other competitors are at $400,000. So these are big expensive things, which would take 
20 years to fully replace the EVIs. But if I say, okay, I want to get this economic benefit out there first, then I mass produce um, 30 million of, of, of these kits at, and just have the chip and the cameras. And then that 30 million times, if it's 20,000, $600 million, right? So I get $600 million and I get 30 million vehicles all using this thing. And it provides supply chain benefits, all that kind of stuff. So you're bringing forward the, um, from 2040 something to get all your uh, semi-fleet converted to 2030, 2035. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm a believer of that as well, that they'll be the trucks. And I remember a statistic that Elon had said before that um, one of the biggest transportation modes of transportation for goods and services or goods is uh, trains. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that if you are able to do EVs autonomy for trucks and th exactly the way you described it, and if it can replace trains, this is a massive, massive business. You're, you're going beyond the trucking business. You're, you're eating away at the railway business, which is like, I don't know what the number is, but it's massive. So right? it's about, the, um, for the U.S., it's about 70% uh, of goods are transported by truck, about 20% uh, are by uh, rail, and then 10% um, air and ship. So, but for other countries, Europe, you know, as you know, there's more trains and stuff over there, China, more trains then the, the ratio is different and where they use um, rail more than we do. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it starts to get competitive there. And like I said, it, it, it takes out that whole 10% of goods, 10% cost of transport goods down to perhaps half or, or less, even potentially as much as you know, only 20% of the, of the cost. So it's a massive uh, economic benefit. Plus in terms of the climate change impact, when you get those things um, converted to electric, then it is of the 20% of oil that's used for transportation for, for ground transportation, I think 15, 16% is truck. So you need to, to, um, get that all converted, that, yeah. Huge. which yeah. also goes to mega pack when you do that. Can you, um, walk me through detail the, how this retrofit or how this implementation works, right? So it's not just, there's the chip and then there's the cameras, right? Don't you right. need to have. Uh, some sort of uh, over the air, you know, Hard, Wi-Fi, uh, update, what, what up there operating updates? system. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So you, you know, need to have over the updates because um, your, um, you know, people get FSD ten point, you know, eleven point three, eleven point four. So those are over their updates. You do not want. Tesla doesn't want to have service where where you have to come in to get an update like you know my, I may have for my Subaru or something like that. You don't want that. So they will definitely have to include the Tesla OS and the and the and basic um, electronic um, uh, spine thing for it. So they won't be able to like I I lobotomize my thing or I I rip it out and you only get this part. It's like it's all part of the same system. So it's um, I think you had a discussion with with uh, Randy discussing the fact that they would sell the OS. I don't, I don't see how they make it work if they don't sell the OS. Like you, you could turn stuff off in order to, to save some kind of like charging aspect of it, but in terms of like, it needs to be in there. So you'd have to have the hardware system, which is the, uh, um, FSD chip chips in there. And then you need to have eight or however many cameras they have. So you have to have that installed and, and it's, I'm guessing in the range of $5,000, um, you know, to do a retrofit. Yeah. <clears throat> There's some folks in our saying that it's not just going to be licensing of FSD. It comes with the over there updates, but also will now have the operating system and maybe even just like everything, like, you know, all the software, like we heard Ford CEO saying that it takes 150 vendors that they have to work with. One Bosch manages the, 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 the seat going forward and backwards and you can just have one vendor. It's just so much easier because they're all integrated together, but uh, it just makes sense. Wouldn't it? <laughs> right. They just it's also like everything. Tesla doesn't want to change the back end. Like they have some master supercomputer stuff, hardware data center stuff, sending stuff out. Plus the whole data gathering thing where there where things are being broadcast back. They want that all to stay the same. They don't want to have a separate thing for Ford. It's like, if you're doing it, you're doing it our way. It's just like, um, you know, when people, 
in um, IT by SAP, you know, the, the software for accounting for their business. If I do it, I'm doing it the SAP way. If I'm doing this, I'm doing it the Tesla way. So it is a Trojan force into all these other things, which is not just the digital technical services, but it's also all the other physical services. It's, it's like you're pretty much um, bending your knee on everything. You know, it's like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm going your way. But from that, from their point of view, um, they are paying uh, suppliers anyway. It's not like they're making all this stuff themselves. There's, so it's like, if I get one better vendor, then I'm still, I'm still good. So it's a bit like, uh, um, Google Android going to Samsung or something like that, where it's like, you have these big ones, but I'm giving you all the smarts and giving the OS you're selling it, but I'm beginning my chunk of revenue. Okay. That makes sense. That's why, uh, when we saw earlier, Elon saying, this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously a clearly big deal for many of us when we think of, you know, here's um, Tesla already in early discussions with a major auto manufacturer to license FSD. So this is fantastic. It's going to, like you said, just accelerate so many things, but also just solidify, uh, Tesla's position. Tell me about uh, your your thinking about Tesla's RoboTaxi. I saw in one of your articles you've written in your blog. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me how you want to start this. But so, so this goes to the cumulative mild with FSD beta. So um, this was at the uh, Q2 earnings, and you can mm -hmm. see that uh, from April, May, June that we've gone to um, about um, 70, 000, 70 million miles per month. So. Once they start including all the miles where FSD kind of supplants autopilot, then this should, you know, on, on highway miles, because autopilot used a fair amount of highway miles, because there's um, 10 billion miles or, or so per year of driving for autopilot, this could rapidly accelerate as that kind of folds in. And then that um, uh, data growth, miles growth, if we start getting other companies involved, um, and with ICE vehicles and that really shoots up, which is, it, you know, the most critical thing in terms of like the, as Arkinvest shows, the, if you master RoboTaxi, RoboTruck, then that is the, the 10X value for the company. So the more miles there are, the sooner we get to that day where you have this step change. So that goes to, you know, what, you know, the Wall Street analysts, the Gary Blacks and stuff say that in terms of like, when, when do you get it? Do can others copy? And is it as Tasha Keeney said, a winner take all, winner take most situation? And I'm in the winner take all, winner take most situation that <clears throat> the data lead will be insurmountable, other things will be insurmountable, and yeah, yeah. We're gonna cover uh, shortly the competitors like lidar and others, and I want to ask you that question again. But for Tesla. Right. He said that we're going to get to a billion miles, not just what we saw there. And so what's your uh, comment about when you saw this? Yeah. So the, um, the dojo goes to, you need the data and you need the compute to do it. So going to a hundred exaflops, um, one of the, you know, means that, you know, before the end of next year, you're up nearly a hundred times in terms of, of, um, of the compute power to rapidly process and crunch. If I get, billions of miles. So if I can go from 300 million miles, 400 million miles and go up to 4 billion, 10 billion miles, then I have the ability to crunch all that data and do stuff with it. The other thing was that there was a, a crumb that Elon dropped where he said things, we were dumb and it was simpler than we thought. So, yeah. which goes to, I, I think of the large language models where OpenAI was not the first to develop large language models. OpenAI um, was, um, you know, Google already had large language models. Uh, Meta already had some large language models. But uh, OpenAI saw some papers by Baidu saying that um, there's a scaling law here, that if we scale the compute and the data things that we're doing, that it will just get better. And so they just made an all-in bet and said, we're going to scale the data and compute by 100,000 times. And then boom, they got in the lead, which against Google, which had more resources and more stuff, they got in the lead because they were willing to bet on 
scaling data and scaling compute by a hundred times or a thousand times for that. I view this, the previous slide about going to hundred exaflops. And then the other thing about going to, to billions of miles as scaling data and compute. And they've always, they've been doing this thing where we have to convert everything to neural nets and blah, blah, blah. So I think that they're ready to just scale it. That the simpler thing of, uh, we were dumb, we just didn't scale it. So now they have all the neural nets, they have the software is ready and they are ready to do the scaling, which, you know, it goes to when exactly do they get it, but because they're going to go hundred X on compute and data, that's where the thing that, and they're not gonna stop there. You know, if it takes a thousand times by end of 2025, they'll be at that level. And also goes to competitors is that is over a billion dollars of CapEx, right? And, and another spending. So they're looking at a few billion dollars. So if someone else isn't ready with the software and willing to, to bet that big, um, then they can't keep pace. Uh, can you just put this to bed for sure? So people, so many people still think that, well, I'm already seeing Waymo and I'm seeing Cruise. They're already doing robotaxi in these geofence locations. Do you, have you not seen these robotaxis in China? This is not something that, that requires billions of miles. You don't need this. Uh, people are doing it now. And they're, you know, I could take, Cruise can take what they're doing in Chandler, Arizona and expand it in San Francisco. Now they can just replicate it all over the place. What's mm -hmm. the uh, answer to that? So for me is that I look at the supply chain for LIDAR. So the last year, the world made about 200,000 LIDAR. There's three or four top companies. The, the top three made about 50,000 LIDAR units, these auto-grade LIDAR. Half of those units go to driver assist, half go to robotaxi. So Apollo, which is a Baidu uh, startup that's doing a lot of robotaxis in the China area, they've talked about getting to thousands and tens of thousands of vehicles. Waymo and Cruise each only have, depending on who you're talking about and which location, a few dozen to a few hundred vehicles, right? So if you get to Uber scale, Robotaxi, because they're selling miles, right? Uber uh, has about 3 million drivers, right? And if Robotaxi is three times more efficient, I will still need 1 million Robotaxis, which Apollo needs eight, um, Apollo vehicle needs um, eight um, LIDAR and a dozen, I think, millimeter wave radar. So if I only have 50,000 from my supplier, because I, I'm a regular automaker. I can't swap in different lidar. You know, I can't take, um, you know, vendor one, vendor two, vendor three. I need to have my vendor give me that thing. Fifty thousand means I can only make max seven thousand robotaxis last year, and of course they have fewer than that because half of them went to driver assist. So that limited the number of robotaxis to four thousand, three thousand, and Waymo and Cruise are far lower than that number, right? Because they're not because it's like pony, this is like, a, you know, two dozen people all sharing the same LIDAR. <clears throat> so the companies are saying, okay, we're going to increase to 500,000, maybe get to a million this year, next year, some time. And then Apollo saying, we're going to go to 10, 20 cities, have 10,000 vehicles per city sometime, maybe 2030, maybe not. They haven't committed to a time on that which is less than that 1 million to get to Uber scale. Uber scale means that 1 million vehicles, if they're each driving 50,000 miles, you know, it could be $50 billion. If I have to go to less than a dollar a mile because I'm, I'm winning because I'm uh, going cheaper than the $2 per mile for Uber, right? So based on that, they're selling this stuff on this per mile basis. I got to ramp up from a million miles a quarter, I think, that uh, Uber and, and Cruiser are, I think only one of them has a million miles a quarter and mostly unpaid. So they have to scale this up like a thousand, 10,000 times in order to do it. So one, they have to scale their LIDAR and a bunch of these companies are going out of business. It's five or six main guys that have to scale to 8 million, probably 16 million units, 8 million for my uh, Robotaxi, 8 million for my driver assist. And this, I have a dedicated vendor to do that. 
which means that it, it's at least four to eight years, four to eight years maximum where it's a scenario where China went, we're going to dump $10 billion, $100 billion into this because we want to win whatever. So I think it's HESAI, H-E-S-S-A-I, yeah, the China guys, they go with Apollo and they, and they go big on that, which is a huge bet because they're still only driving a small geofence energy. They're, they're saying, I believe in this so much that I'm going to get a million cars out there, which is $50 billion, $100 billion of, of asset of my ante. So I'm already spending two to $4 billion per year, which is what Argo was doing before they went bankrupt, making virtually no money, a million miles or whatever a year. And then I'm going to keep ratcheting up my bet really hard over the next few years to go up to $50 billion, $100 billion. And then I'll start making Uber level of the money, which would be for a million vehicles over these 50, 20 cities, whatever it is, I will then start making, let's say $50,000 per vehicle, $50 billion, right? So in seven years, I will have bet $100 billion and then I start making money, which is like mm. a hugely gutsy bet on something that's uncertain. So a lot of things have to fall into place to do that. One, they have to get it working and then they have to like totally like ball of steel betting that this is gonna, no problem, $100 billion, which is more money than Ford or GM or Volkswagen, any of those guys got, which is basically like a China national government or Berlin. Someone has to say, and also be certain that it actually works because, you know, right now you have Cruz and, and Waymo pissing off people in San Francisco, blocking traffic and, and doing all this. Cause they have like 80 incidents a quarter off their dozens of vehicles. So you're going to say, I'm going to say, no, nope, 10,000 in San Francisco. Yes, our 20 vehicles are messing up your traffic and, and, and whatever stuff, but we're going to go to 10,000, not just here, but all these other places. So it's, I, I do not see how that can possibly scale in less than eight years on the hardware side and then on the legislative side and then on the CapEx side. They got to like make monster, monster bets already beyond what they're doing. Hey there, thank you for joining me. If you can, please consider supporting this channel so I can keep it going. It's a lot of work arranging all these amazing interviews. One of the easiest ways is just to click that join button and become a member of the channel. Thank you very much. Let's get brighter. And if they can't scale, or even if they do scale, I guess the question is, which one are you going to take if it's all based on dollar per mile? So if you can, you're going to buy the one that's going to be cheaper, it's going to mm -hmm. be RoboTaxi. And if you have a Tesla that is partnered with large auto OEMs, and then they're so massive, they got so many more available, they can charge cheaper because it's scale. That's just it's the way that works. And that's why pe some people think that the first it will win most. Right. And, and, and you Tesla's might have competitors. Right. And Tesla's already making billions of dollars off autopilot and FSD. So they're already making that money. People are getting value from it. And then if they start making billions of dollars more from Ford, their business model is just better, right? Where they're, they're profitable and able to start winning as opposed to the other guy is, I must lose and lose even more money for five years, eight years. And then I right. start making a lot of money, which is like. Okay. So yeah, before we get to LIDAR, because uh, that is very interesting. I want to talk more about that, but what, what was this? Uh, tell me more about this, George Holtz. Uh, yeah, comma, George, AI. Hot, mm -hmm. yeah, comma AI. So it's another company doing um, a camera-based and camera software-only-based system. So, so they're at six thousand active users. So they're at basically one hundred times fewer users. So it's just a smaller scale system. So they, I see them eventually perhaps getting bought if everyone, you know, if someone wanted to find something else other than uh, a licensing of, of Tesla. But I just wanted to point them out yeah. just because I'm not like ignoring what the competition is doing. I'm looking at them and that's one. Okay, and they do far more less capable systems. Yeah. So that's a LIDAR. <clears throat> so this is a LIDAR system, right? This is mm -hmm. the, the company you said, H-E-A-S-A-I. Right. Um, tell me more about this. This is very interesting. Um, so there's here. about a hundred um, LIDAR companies, and, but they're only selling like uh, tiny amounts of, of dollar volume. Like I think the whole industry is worth about $2 billion, $3 billion. So you have Three or four big guys, yeah, Innovision, Innovision Vallejo, Hasai, RoboSense. Uh, so the Innovision 
is making about 50,000 units a year. Um, they say they can go to 300,000, you know, toward the end of this year, next year, or at least have a factory capacity for it. And then Hasai says they're going to go to millions, if not next year, soon after that. Uh, and Hasai is um, one of the ones, these are mainly supplying Chinese players. Um, but it just goes to that this industry, you know, these guys have to go to from 50,000 units up to, you know, 20 times, 40 times as many units in order to do it, which if you look at all these marketing studies, they'll say, oh, LIDAR is going to grow 30, 40% per year, which then if you only grow 30, 40% per year on the dollar volume, and then the price has to drop by 10 times. Also, that previous unit was a LIDAR on top, which is a 360 LIDAR. And they have mm -hmm. other LIDAR on the corners, which are like beaming out LIDAR. So there's, for the units, it's like, I need the 360 and then I need the other units. So it's like different flavors of LIDAR that are happening. So it's not, it's a very complicated thing. So it's not just, they're all making the one thing. I can just put them anywhere. I got to have the exact right unit. Yeah. So isn't the game already over? Like these, uh, I think the article you sent me said that uh, there was, there's currently 25 LIDAR companies and they're just collapsing. Many, many companies were formed through SPACs and they're dying. <laughs> they're right. being bought out. They're just bankrupts. And then, you know, the story with LIDAR is true, isn't it? Where they were LIDAR based approach to robotaxi happened decades ago, a decade and a half ago. And that was the leading edge technology at the time. And then vision happened, you know, this large, the ability to do um, machine learning came out and then they realized I can just do vision only, just camera alone. We don't need the LIDARs. And then because Tesla happened to come in at the right time and did not choose LIDAR. Now all the many LIDAR CEOs who leave, they come back and they start a new company, which is vision only because they realized that was the old tech. And then the reason why this push on LIDAR is because they've already invested so much in it. They're already so deep into it. They just want to carry it forward. There's no way for them to pivot at this point. So there's that storyline. Um, but it's pretty well over, right? Because if, if a vision only is proven to work, then what's the point of doing LIDAR and uh, what's happening to the price point? The whole point is that the LIDAR price is supposed to go down. Anyway, that probably doesn't even matter at this point, right? Whether it's LIDAR or vision, what matters is who can create compelling robotaxi. Right. So if you had LIDAR, do you, do you still not need the billions of miles and don't you still need the supercomputer? I think you still need the, um, the billions of miles. The, the benefit of LIDAR is that for the cases where I'm going to run into something, where um, the camera somehow didn't see it or misinterpreted it, I have a system that says, you know, collision warning is, is this the thing that's coming in. So then I can, I can um, avoid the, the worst case. So I still need the, the camera thing to drive me around, but I can, I have this other safety net, you know, it's like a, a trapeze artist. I have this thing. I still want to just walk across the rope, but, if I fall over, I caught in the safety net. So it prevents me from having a really bad accident. Yeah. That, that's the okay. thinking for that. But the, the thing is that if I don't fall off, then I don't need the safety net. And if I have other systems that get the same result, then it's extra cost and expense. And then Elon said, if I have really good cameras and, and AI, and it's telling me one thing, and the other, this one warning system is right. telling me something else, which do, do I listen to? Um, yeah. So that's the problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And then most recently, Ashok Kalaswamy, director of autopilot for Tesla, showed in his uh, presentation that with just vision only, they have incredible, uh, they've improved, improved on occupancy network, which is the ability to know whether something is occupied or not using vision only cameras. But it's so smart that it was able to determine that fog is something you can drive through, through and paper flying through is something you can drive through because you've attached this neural net machine learning thing with on top of the vision and they were able to figure that out so right, right? tesla's right. got a solution for this and solved it yeah mm -hmm. and, and they when they took out the uh, the one sensor that they did have it took them a few months of retraining you know six months UCC, of training, yeah yeah to to get to the point where they handle it so with the fast training they could if they turned out okay we need you know 3d radar or something like that they could put that back in 
and with a hundred Exaflop Dojo or thing or Texaflop Dojo, they could retrain it in a, in a month. So the ability for Tesla to pivot and and add and adjust things is also something where they're not locked in. Someone else is. I put the hardware. I must do the hardware. It it doesn't change. I can't update it. Tesla can continue to adjust and improve, which also goes to, you know, um, four times, you know, as safe as humans, four times better than human, ten times better than human. That that can happen in my same car, you know, because my top end is maybe hardware four, hardware five, and then I go up to hundred X. But I'm not limited by the sensors. I'm not limited by other things. So that goes to I drive it this year, but then next year it's better because I updated it. Okay, so we talked robo taxi, we talked robo trucks, uh, we talked about licensing of FSD. Tell me about uh, bots and uh, robo factories. Right. So that also goes to what Ashok was saying that um, um, you can use video, which I think means that they're merging the Tesla bot and the FSD software, so that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what vehicle it is, if it, it can be a, a robot with cameras just like a human, or it can be yeah. a rolling vehicle. So that, and there also were, you know, the five or 10 units in the factories and they designed the Giga Mexico to be, you know, with unbox process, which is, um, uh, robot friendly. So a lot of what they're doing, you know, as Joe justice has talked about with digital self-management is to be automation, uh, robot ready. So if they can get you know, I can imagine 50% of the tasks in a factory um, able to use a bot instead of a human because of the work uh, spaces, they have hexagons in there. And I have five different groups doing um, paint or doing uh, HVAC. One of them can be, um, or one or two could be uh, Tesla bot ones. And then when those are better, then they take over and then all five units go to Tesla bot. So they're, ready to adopt it at their systems and that will increase their production of, of that. So they only have a hundred thousand or so employees in the factory. They can just making a hundred thousand units of a, of a Tesla bot would let them get to this doubling of labor capacity, which means that they mm -hmm. could open new shifts in Mexico, open new shifts in some other new factory in India or, or Indonesia, or whatever, and they could scale production faster and also increase the rate of production. So that'd be the near term and they can get to 90%, 100% and then just get them faster and faster. So it would get to a monetary benefit sooner. And the other thing would be that um, Tesla bots for um, people and other things would be something that could happen in parallel or sooner than the um, FSD, if it's, FSD could be delayed by regulation, test the Exactly. That's what I've been saying. Be. Yeah. 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 And he's clarified it's going to be out there next year. So mm -hmm. Sean, tell me what this is. Tesla bot replacing labor. You did some napkin math here. Right. So this is a modifying a, a ARC Invest analysis of, of RoboTaxi. Basically, if you, as you drop the cost, then the, the volume of miles driven. Here, I dropped the cost per hour and the um, total addressable hours increases. So that goes to that discussing the uh, billion hours for a half million worker equivalent for Tesla factory productivity boost, which is the step one I was talking about, where taking away dangerous work, you're doing just work within a Tesla factory. And then as the cost of the robot goes from say 20,000 to 40,000 down to 10,000, and they can work mm -hmm. 8,000 hours in a year, you start getting down to, um, you know, $10 per hour, $5 per hour, as you get to a um, dollar per hour for an $8,000 Tesla bot working 8,000 hours, then you get mm -hmm. to, to $1 per hour. So then I'm saying that <laughs> that would mean 8 trillion hours worth of work. So it's not inconceivable. $8,000 for Tesla bot in mass production, that makes sense. So then that goes to replacing the entire world's, you know, productivity. So, um, and then... It, after you get cheaper and cheaper, um, the cost of electricity starts to factor in to it. But so basically that goes to how I see that there's a need for uh, billions of, of bots and that it will, you know, utterly 
the transformation will be huge. It, it, I view it kind of like um, we go into a kind of Star Wars world where everyone has a droid, you know, where everyone's Luke Skywalker yeah. and has like C three PO yeah. and R two D two and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all, this is and fun. One, one thing is that uh, the use case for a Tesla bot is basically the next level of iPhone because the uh, the Tesla bot has two hundred times, you know, it has three thousand watts. Our phone has like 10, 11 watts. So it has 200, 300 times that, which also means the chip uses energy. It can have, you know, uh, you know, 300 times the energy, 300 times the compute. So for large language model AI stuff, intensive things, I could put more into that thing. And then the fact that it's bigger, it's walking around by itself. I can have it, I can talk to it. So it's the, the capability on that thing would get very, very useful, very fast. A walking supercomputer. Yeah. yeah genius AGI. Okay. Let's talk batteries. I want, um, I want to hear more about your battery model, which is so exciting and your mm -hmm. Tesla 230 price target. So okay. tell me more about this. So this is the first five months of this year, which is, uh, the, the up to five months, they installed about 230 gigawatt hours of batteries. Uh, CATL has 36% of it. So just um, projecting forward into the, the half month, we're just shy of 300 gigawatt hours of batteries. So CATL uh, installed a little over 100 gigawatt hours of batteries in the first six months. Um, BYD is at um, about 48 gigawatt hours of batteries for the first half. So they'll go to about 100 gigawatt hours for the year. So BYD is pretty much using all their own batteries, not selling to that many to other people. CATL about um, um, 50, 60% of their batteries are going to Tesla. Tesla used about just shy of uh, 70 gigawatt hours of batteries for their vehicles in the first half of the year. And then um, LG and stuff like that. So Tesla, um, by making about three gigawatt hours batteries um, from Texas and, and Cato Road for 4680s, is using about 40%, is supplying 4% of their own batteries. Um, but the reason that the, the batteries are important is that I factored in how much revenue do you get from a hundred gigawatt hours of batteries, depending upon the product yeah. that you're selling. Take a look at this. Right. Okay. So we could start off with $20,000 in price. So you can, it's a simple calculation to get adjusted. If, if it's 25 K, then I need 4 million, uh, gen three cars to get to hundred billion dollars. Um, so this is based on $100 billion, and I look at how many batteries I, I'm using. So this is a $100 billion unit, which is about where we're at now, because we just had 25, uh, just shy of $25 billion for the quarter. So that is um, run right near um, 2 million Model Ys and 3s. And then we also have some uh, X, and, X and Ss. So we're just shy of that for our first $100 billion unit. So if we were to develop these other lines, then we can equal our current um, business by making 5 million uh, Gen 3 cars, 400,000 mm -hmm. semis, 1.25 million Cybertruck, if those first units are $8,000. And then I did some, um, how many batteries I need. So you can see that um, the Gen 3 car, if it's at 50 kilowatt hours, it's more battery intensive than, um, a Cybertruck with 100 kilowatt hours or more intensive than a, a Model Y, Model 3, needing 187 gigawatt hours total. So it's just a, a way to kind of like have a, how much of our, of the current company does, yeah. do I get from these other things? And, and you can see that Megapack, 40K Megapacks, which is the uh, production level of Lathrop, I can get to that $100 billion just by just selling out the Lathrop. Just with the later yeah. uh, battery packs. Yeah. So the, okay. Thank you for putting this together, by the way. This yeah. is just eye-opening because right now all we're offering is this, the Model Y, yeah. Model 3, at 2.5 mm -hmm. million cars, mm -hmm. and that gets us about a $100 billion run rate. Yeah. <laughs> but when every single one of these, and they're all very, very um, like uh, achievable. When mm -hmm. I when you said 400,000 semis or 1.25 million Cybertrucks or 5 yeah. million third gen, uh, 2 million cyber vans. And then the, you're saying, look at this, this Lathrop, 
Actually, actually, one, actually I made a Lathrop ten k, so I made a mistake there. Misspoke. You need 40K, four, so Lathrop. four Lathrops. Four Lathrops. Let's do it. Uh, I thought it was twenty k. I think they're ten k now, but okay. Yeah. Um, I think ten hmm. k. It's, it's forty oh. gigawatt hours, but it's a uh, ten k units because each one is okay, almost gotcha, four gig. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, I'm okay. So it's very achievable. All of this, and all of a sudden, you've got a company that's gone from a hundred billion run rate to one, two, billion. three, four, six. Six times that. Okay. So this is the way you did it. Just going, Hey, if that's the case, this is how many batteries we will need gigawatt per hour batteries. Yep. And then, so then you said, okay, let's, uh, so let's, uh, look at the, the dollars per megawatt hour. And then, yeah. um, just taking those things, just dividing it out. Um, the cyber truck, I, I will see eventually will uh, drop down because it will go to a more high volume price. And I, I believe that all these numbers, but you know, ballparking, I can say, okay, roughly 300 to $800, uh, sorry, 30 to $80 billion for a hundred gigawatt hours. So yes, it's 400 to $800 per megawatt hour. But if I use the hundred gigawatt hour unit of like, um, a significant, uh, development of it, you, you can use these kind of things to kind of factor in based on how many batteries I have, how I would, um, devote it to the different product lines. All right, I'm confused. I don't know what this is. So, so sorry. So, so basically, I took the revenue number and divided the gigawatt hours on the previous slide. So, the, yeah. So you're saying that Cybertruck is actually going to be the most profitable if the, if you for the first units which come in at eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, so, sure, sure. so if I have eighty thousand okay. dollars, then yeah. Okay. And then uh, what's next? This is uh, where I adjust the prices. People, you know, Gary Black says. How do I introduce new products? How do I introduce new things? And basically is I cut prices. So then if I cut prices, then I have, I'm um, able to address new markets because if I have a $30,000 model Y, I'm going to sell a lot more than just say 2 million this year. 2, 2 million this year is at 40 to $45,000 for my model Y or 50,000 for model Y. If I drop it down to 30,000, then oh, yeah. it right. makes sense I could sell more, sure. right? Sure. Um, and it wouldn't be, I just kept it at the same hundred billion dollars, but I, I could say maybe I could sell $200 billion of these things. It'd be 6.6 .6 million. I just have an easily, um, unit for me to, um, think mm -hmm. about, um, how many would I need if I drop the price and then I would then multiply out for, you know, the end state. Whereas like, if I cut my prices enough, maybe I can sell nearly 40 million vehicles, which I think is the next slide. <laughs> You're saying 40 million people can't even imagine 20 million. Right. But I, I think it's based on cutting prices that, um, of course, yeah. That if I cut the prices, I can, I sell agree. More. Yeah. Okay. So then my, my dollars per megawatt hour decreases. I cut prices. Mega pack actually probably should go to like 500 or 400, but then I, I cut the prices on things. I'm still making for every hundred gigawatts hours of batteries that I have, I'm still making 30 billion to $50 billion but then I can get to a bigger final number, which is the next slide where I where Tesla units is 37 million, right? So I'm saying if I cut the price to 15 K, I can probably sell 42 million of them, right? Or, or the full market 42 million, I get 40% of that. I get 16 million units, right? So I sell 16 million units in the Tesla unit number semis. I, I think they, they can dominate that with 80% of the market, just like they dominate the United States with 60%. And that'd be 2.4 million units per year. Um, and then, <laughs> and then the whole overall market share, because the, the market share, uh, market by year, those are numbers from the master plan three. And then I'm my, um, putting in the, the, the market share to say how much you get and you do again with, with price. Yeah, but the um, master plan three was never it was never positioned as Tesla will be the only car. Like so, this, right, right, to no, say I'm that not you saying, can have, yeah, yeah. So forty percent to, to say that, that you can have a third gen car selling forty two million per year. That's crazy. No, no, forty two million is the total market. I'm saying sixteen million yes. Tesla share, and okay, may, maybe you can say okay, I okay, I'm on justice. Gotcha. I'm on justice. Yeah, only twenty percent share, which is their okay. current share. Then it's yeah. eight million units. So I can adjust this quickly to say, okay, and we only get 20% in the 8 million. Yes. Semi drops to 50%. I go to yeah. 1.5 million. Um, and this is probably not 2030, probably 2035 or something, but I just yeah. want to 
you know, and then I would go with some factory costs again from master plan three. So I took some of that. So the share, I can adjust it. I, I put my stab, certainly this is a bull case, but then I can cut back to what it is. Yeah, it also shows that, back. yeah, it also shows that the total batteries that Tesla needs or the yeah. amount of factories and stuff is that the value that they get out of this thing is um, not necessarily a third gen car dominated, that uh, I could make more money from semi trucks if I dominate that than if I dominate the third gen car. I get more units, but I don't make as much money. Uh, same thing for Cybertruck if I have 40K Cybertruck. So based on this analysis, if you were running Tesla and you had limited batteries, would you not put it all in mega packs? Yeah, I would probably try and run it into mega packs. If the utilities are buying them, I would try and run more into, into mega packs. Um, but um, yeah, maybe also it shows that a hugely successful Cybertruck, which is beyond what um, Elon said. But for me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, who is a competitor that's going to make um, a million um, uh, trucks, EV trucks, Rivian or Ford Lightning? They would need 150 gigawatt hours of batteries to do that, 1 million. So if you're going to take serious market share from Tesla, you got to have a crap load of batteries. Uh, and you also have to have huge factories. So that is another part of my analysis is that if you don't have the batteries at 100 gigawatt scale or 200, if you don't have 300 gigawatt of batteries, I cannot make um, 1.5 you know, million trucks or whatever. Yeah, okay. This is crazy, but okay. So what we're saying here is that currently today, Model Y, Model 3 is a $100 billion run rate per year. And if you add this all up, you can see a potential future where it's $2.4 trillion of revenue per year. Right. And of course, the market share is massively, it's just crazy here. So you're saying that, uh, you know, I, we, we pretty well need Half to produce, you, yeah. yeah, you need to produce 37 million cars yeah. per year, which is right. 80 million. That's 40%. I, right. It's very possible because they're such an amazing leader, but people can't even imagine, they can't so even you, imagine 20, let alone 40. So, mm -hmm. so you cut it in half, it's 1.2 yeah. trillion in revenue. It's close to the, it's like 19 million. Exactly. Units. That's your point. That's your point. Yeah. Let's cut all this in half. So let's say it's 20 million per year, yeah. not 37. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting to 1.2 trillion. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you for saying that. You should have started with that. Okay. Uh, sorry. Okay. And yeah. then, so what is your, so then uh, this is the Tesla semi. Yeah. Just where I went into, into super fine detail and compared every other unit. Um, I did stuff like um, in terms of the weight, I, I you know, was, you know, measuring the pixels on, on how big the, the, the thing was. Anyway, so this is how, the point of whole this thing is that based on detailed analysis, the Tesla semi-trucks are superior to the competing EV trucks as the Model 3 in 2017 was to the Nissan Leaf. So that's, that's in my case for the dominance is that yeah, they're just like- dominant, yeah. yeah. There's no other uh, semi out there that could even compete. Mm -hmm. And does this include the electric vehicle ones? Or this these is are all the these are all the electric EVs by different makers. Gotcha. Okay. Freightliner Volvo will be all right. Idea. Yeah. All right. So then that's that. So what is your price target then? That's what I'm most interested in. You're are you do you consider yourself an Uber bull? Uh, where do you fall? Yeah. So I am um, Uber bull, but you know, like I will try. I try and um, correct myself where, like, you know, I got things wrong because I, um, last year something like that because I didn't. I saw the impact of the key hit to the China stuff and China was where they gained a lot of their performance from. So I, I missed that aspect of things. So I don't want to, and then the, they've been ha having issues on execution where I thought they would execute better. So there are things where Tesla's not perfect. You know, there, there is things where they can fail and slow up. But the my analysis shows that there's this huge value for things like Megapack, which I think when they open the China factory, these things are only um, the size of, of a target. Literally, they converted a target store to make Lathrop. China can make a whole shopping mall in like a couple of months. So they can make yeah. an, a, a version of Lathrop very fast. And then the other thing is that they can rev recognize revenue faster because they can send a bunch of Megapack on a barge up the river 
and then dump them to their existing 400 gigawatts of solar and install that quickly. They can like turn it on like this versus PG&E taking six months, nine months to turn it on. So that is something that I can see being a, a huge impact sooner. And then um, the licensing and the FSD um, adoption rate curves with the bonus and stuff like that, I can see those things happening sooner. So, um, so then in terms of the getting to a, a price target, you know, based on those hundred billion dollar analysis, I think getting to that um, half to one third of the 40 million vehicles where we miss the 20 million target and then we get to 15 million, which would say be one, one third or, or, or whatever that, then that's still um, instead of 2.4, it's like 800 billion dollars. So $80 billion with, you know, 20% margin, something like that, which doesn't include the software, right? So if I have 50% for software, then it's still, um, so hardware only, we're looking at $150 billion worth of profit. So a 30X multiple, you look at 4.5 trillion. And then a multiplier would be all the software and FSD, which would be like three times that. So, you know, 4.5 trillion hardware only 2030. And then with um, FSD, FSD, then we're looking at um, um, looking at uh, 10 to 15 trillion on that. But then the cap, ultimately <laughs> the end state point is, um, well, even bigger, because I get to the billion, the Tesla bots, and then that goes to, you know, transforming society kind of thing. This is crazy. That's yeah. the stock price. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're at uh, we're at three hundred dollars. That's right. We're three hundred uh, per. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. You are but, definitely but, an Uber bull. Yeah. yeah. And basically, though, it's, it's when do the key things happen? When do we go next level? Because I look at the forty six eighties. They can get to a hundred gigawatt hour of the forty six eighties by middle of next year, because if we would have this slow ramp, which um, John at Cleanum has been showing, but if we got to one gigawatt hour, 10, 000, uh, 10 million cells in a, in a quarter, when we get to 50, 60 million cells, that is the 25 gigawatt hours per quarter, which is 100 gigawatt hours, sorry, 25 gigawatt hours per year. So that's six gigawatts per quarter for one line they ha- are building the other lines, they just turn on the other lines, ramp them. So you start doing that, you know, Q3, where you start ramping the three other Texas lines, you start ramping the Berlin line, and then suddenly I have eight or 10 lines, maybe even 20 lines running in the middle of next year, and they all have ramped to near 25 gigawatt hours uh, per year. So that unlocks the ability to make all the products that we're talking about, 100 gigawatt hours of batteries to make products for those things. Um, and then the FSD with the um, um, uh, FSD with um, 100 exaflop dojo and with all the data that gets unlocked. So that becomes the multiplier. So if you look back many years ago, a BYD was first with EVs. They had all, all the other vehicles, they were first with EVs. They had more volume until Tesla came in with the Model 3. So Tesla passed them, went next level, Model 3, Model Y, went next level. And that's because they haven't gone to next level with 4680s and with FSDs that they haven't like pulled away. But BYD is doing it with 600,000 employees. You know, they're, yeah. they're doing it with this labor intensive thing, which doesn't, you know, they can't go to 10 million employees or something. You know, when Tesla goes 10X, then they fall behind just like they did when Model 3, Model Y comes up. So because Tesla can go technologically to this other place, then the other guys, that's when they fall behind. And that's where the whole only a block company falls apart. <laughs> yeah, it is so exciting. I do see the exponential uh, innovation that Tesla is doing and what you're pointing out the more people I talk to who are futurists, they always point out that the legacy um, technology, the incumbent technology, it falls 
through an exponential curve that way as well. It's almost always it's it's the, you know you can name so many examples of what this has happened. So people are completely underestimating when they think that ice cars will still be around in 2030. Mm-hmm. You know, a person I interviewed recently said that uh, you know it's going to be you know still 60% ice cars, 40%. That's just not going to be the case. Just like, mm-hmm. do you still see uh, 60% of uh, you know v- v- VS- VCR tapes? <laughs> no, no, oh, everything's it- now streaming. Right. right. It was just like the shift, you know, iPhone gets introduced 2008 or whatever. And then 2012, 2013 is when it just disappeared, where basically Nokia tried to limp along and then they fall below um, uh, the volume they need to keep going. And then they just implode. They go yeah. from 30 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Okay. Uh, th- thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate you. This is Brian Wang. He's uh, Next Big Features. You should check him out on his website. It's an incredible blog. I mean, you write so many articles on all sorts of different uh, disruptive technologies. You've won so many awards. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you. and you are a futurist that has proven to be true because you're 1% top predictor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope you are right on this call. Check out mm-hmm. his website at Next Big Future. Check out his Twitter at Next Big Feature. Love you so much, Brian. Thank you for joining me. That was very eye-opening. I need some time to digest this. I think their numbers are too big for me to... <laughs> it's yeah. even gone beyond my optimism that I okay. need to sit back and absorb it. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate Thank it. you.